Well, isn't it great to start Advent, to start this new Christian year? I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving and you're ready to embark on this great journey we're calling Magnify. We were getting ready in these days to magnify God and to celebrate all that God is doing through His Son, Jesus, and His birth into the world. So welcome, and we're grateful that you're here. Hey, I'm also excited to tell you about uh, what's starting next Sunday, December the 5th. We're very excited for our 9 a.m. folks who've been watching us online. Starting next Sunday, we're going to live stream what's in the room for you if you watch the nine o'clock service. The 11 o'clock will continue as it is, but we're excited to bring you a live feed for the 9 a.m. traditional service. So get ready for that next Sunday. Hey, as we begin our time together, will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we do indeed magnify your name, celebrate all that you offer to us through your son, Jesus, and through the opportunity we have in these days that lie ahead to prepare our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our souls, our communities, our church, all of who we are, for what it means for Jesus to be born, what it means for you to step into the world, what it means for you to love us enough to live and dwell and be with us. God, for all of that, we give you thanks and pray that we would truly, truly magnify your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, I know many of you know, I've got a grandson, he's five, and, and man, just lots and lots of fun. And one of the things my wife and I love to do when we're with Zaya is we love to praise him, right? Oh, you're doing such a good job, or I love what you did here, or way to go, you did a great job, right? I just It's fun to praise him. I know you probably do that with your own kids or your own grandkids, and we do that, right, because we love them because we hope that positive reinforcement will, will sort of go well with them. Uh, coaches do this, right? Teachers do this. Uh, all kinds of folks do this. It's a praise for something we cherish and something that we hope to reinforce. Reality is we, we do it all the time with other things too, right? We praise a good restaurant. We praise our doctor if they've done a good job and helped us out. We praise people who serve us well, whether it's a, a plumber or a carpenter or a home builder. We praise them because we're grateful for what they do, right? Praise is an interesting thing. We may not use that specific word, but it's what we're doing. We're affirming them. We're uplifting them. We're helping them to know we appreciate them, right? Well, there's this interesting word that's very similar to praise that we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. It's called magnify. And magnify really is just a fancy way to say praise. But magnify also can mean a couple of other things. When we say magnify, we mean that we're making things large, larger than they may appear, right? Like a magnifying glass, right? That's what it does. It makes the image appear. So if we magnify things, we're making them larger than they may be. We're adoring. That is to say, we're offering adoration or certainly we're offering praise. And so throughout these next four weeks, as we lead up to the birth of Jesus on Christmas, we're going to be magnifying God. And we take this concept of magnify to praise, to adore, to make big. We use it from uh, Jesus's mom, Mary. Mary, in her preparation of, of, of coming to know that she was going to birth God, of recognizing that uh, she was about to have her first child as a young teenage uh, mom, she got uh, this word from the angel that said, you are going to birth a, a baby. He's going to be named Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sin. And God is going to make this all possible. When she heard that news, she got so excited. She went to her cousin Elizabeth's house to celebrate with her, who likewise was pregnant with Jesus's cousin. You know him as John the Baptist. 
And so Mary and Elizabeth are just all excited together. They're like giddy young girls, right? And they're excited about what lies ahead, what these births will mean for them. I believe what these births will mean for the world too. And after Elizabeth sort of celebrates with Mary, Mary pops off with this amazing song called the Magnificat. And we call it the Magnificat simply and solely because that's the the Latin word for magnify. So that's where our series title comes from, that Mary sings this powerful song that will magnify the Lord. Each of the next several weeks, we're going to take bits and pieces of the song and help us to better understand what does it mean to magnify God? What does it look like for our behavior, for our understanding to do this on behalf of our own faith and certainly on behalf of the world? Today, I want to read the whole Magnificat. It's several verses long. And so today, as we read that, I want you to just kind of digest what is this and how does it work? Comes from Luke's gospel. You may know that Luke's gospel is the the most prolific of all four gospels telling us the story of Jesus's birth. I want to encourage you today or tomorrow maybe to go read Luke chapter 1 And if you have time and energy, go read Luke chapter two as well. And they tell the powerful story of the birth of Jesus. And in the middle of those two chapters is this Magnificat, lifting up God and celebrating all that God does. Listen for Mary's song and what it means for you and me. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. That's Mary's song. Can you imagine if Mary were singing that today? Man, she would sing just loudly and boldly. She's helping to magnify God, right? She's adoring who God is and all that God has offered to us. She's making God big in all of not only her heart and her life, but big in all the world. She is helping to praise God's name for all that God is doing. And a part of all that is simply to acknowledge that during this season of Advent, that's what we need to be doing. That's what we're challenged with, is how do we, in our behavior, in our words, in our actions, and all the things that we do, how is it we can magnify God in the simple ways that Mary has done that here? Now, there's a couple of interesting things I just want to share with you about this particular song, because it is a song. Mary kind of breaks out in music and song, and she wants to celebrate, and we often do that when we want to celebrate, right? Man, I don't know about you, but every once in a while I might sing something or even on a simple level singing happy birthday or a happy anniversary song, right? We do that when we want to celebrate. But there are a couple of fascinating deals about Luke and the song here and a couple other songs, but Mary's song is very much like an older, much more ancient song. You may reflect back in the Old Testament. There was a woman named Hannah 
Hannah was the mom of Samuel, who became the great priest of Israel and would anoint Saul as king and David as king. And Hannah and Mary have lots in common. They have unexpected pregnancies. They have sons that they commit to the Lord. And they have ways that they acknowledge how wonderfully glad they are that this is true. Now, in Hannah's case, it's a little different. Hannah had long been barren and she wanted a child desperately. And now she's been given the gift of God to have a child named Samuel. So her circumstances are different. Unlike Mary, who had no clue she was going to get pregnant as a teenager, but she is now going to birth God. She's going to set her child aside and she's going to glorify or magnify God. So I want to encourage you as well today to go read 1 Samuel chapter 2. It's in the Old Testament, right near the front of the book. If you'll read those first 10 verses, you'll hear Hannah's song. And man, if you were to lay Hannah's song and Mary's song, the Magnificat, right side by side, they're, they're saying almost the same things. It's absolutely fascinating. So I want to encourage you to do that. The other thing that's fascinating about this song from Mary is it's one of actually four different songs in the Gospel of Luke in chapters 1 and 2 that help us celebrate what God's doing in the birth of Jesus. Mary's is the first. It's probably in many ways the most famous. We know it again as the Magnificat. But there's three other songs. Just later in this same chapter, uh, near the end of chapter 1, Zechariah, who is Elizabeth's husband, Mary's cousin, Zechariah has a song as well that he sings when he finally becomes able to speak. Uh, I won't give you the whole story, but he loses his capacity to speak. He's John the Baptist's dad. And at John's birth, Zechariah is able to speak and he sings this great song called the Benedictus, which is just Latin for blessed are. And he begins to share this great blessing of what it means for not only John to be born, but now for Jesus to be born, what it means for a savior to come into the world. Then there's another song you're probably very familiar with in Luke chapter two. It's the song of the angels out in the fields over the shepherds watching their flock by night. Remember the angels sing and there's a whole multitude of them who shout out and they basically say glory to God in the highest among all of creation, but particularly to those with whom God is well pleased. And that Gloria is what we get several of our Christmas hymns out of, right? Gloria in excelsis Deo. There's some wonderful songs that come out of that. And then finally, late in chapter two, which we don't often read because we get done with Jesus's birth, is what's known as the Nunc Dimittis. That's a word you use every day, right? The Nunc Dimittis. It's sung by a guy named Simeon who's come to see Jesus who's come to witness his birth. He's longed for him. He's been looking for him. And Simeon sings this song basically that says, I can now depart this world because I've seen the Savior. That's all Nunc Dimittis means is let us now depart. And the Nunc Dimittis is a song that we sometimes sing in, in high church liturgy that says it's the end of the day. Uh, we sometimes refer to that as Vespers and it's an evening service. And it reminds us that now we depart for our rest for the evening. But man, these are all these songs in Luke chapter 1 and 2, and they're powerful songs that remind us that we need to honor God, that we need to celebrate what God is doing through Jesus. And Mary starts it all with her Magnificat. So as I mentioned, each week we're going to kind of talk about a specific section. I want to start um, with the first section, just the first couple of verses, where Mary is highlighting two very important concepts or traits or attributes of God. She wants to highlight both his goodness and his holiness. 
So Mary acknowledges God's goodness when she sings out about how God has acknowledged her lowliness. She's right. She's a teenager. She's from a lowly country. She's a, uh, an unknown person. And she recognizes that God is so good that God wants to use her to birth God's child, that God wants to use her as an instrument of God's peace, that God wants to use her to change the whole world. And she also acknowledges that a part of God's goodness is that God is my Savior. Notice she literally calls God her Savior. She's recognizing that God is saving her from her circumstances, that God is saving her for special circumstances, and that God is saving her for us. God is setting Mary aside in all of God's goodness to help make possible the richness of God's glory. You may see on the screen a, a modern rendering of uh, the picture of Mary. This is just one of, I'm sure, thousands of pictures of Mary singing the Magnificat and, and singing these glorious few words of verses 46 to 49, where we celebrate what it is Mary is doing, the goodness of God, and lifting that up as well as God's holiness. This goodness of God can also be um, highlighted in the book of Titus. That's a little bitty book uh, in the New Testament near Timothy and Thessalonians. And Titus literally just says, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of our God uh, through our Savior appears, He saved us. See, this goodness of God is what we need to celebrate during Advent. It's the goodness of God that made creation good itself. It's the goodness of God that led the Israelites out of slavery and bondage into the promised land. It's the goodness of God who used the prophets, even in their hard and challenging words, to bring hope to the Israelite nation. It's the goodness of God who gave us wisdom and insight and the opportunity to celebrate God through the writings like Psalms and Proverbs and Songs of Solomon. It's the goodness of God who recognizes that we needed help and offered us his son, Jesus. You see, God is good. God is rich in this goodness and mercy and loving kindness. And man, a part of what we need to celebrate in this season is how good God is. Can we lift that up? Can we praise God for that gift? Can we make that bigger than what maybe other people do? Wouldn't that be cool? We celebrate and we honor a good, good God. Now, we have an opportunity to mirror that during this Advent season. Um, we, as followers of Jesus, as, the, as followers of this God who is amazing, we can offer good to the world. You, you may know several of the opportunities that you have, whether it's through the military packs or through the love packs or, or through uh, the blessing bags that we create for you to take with you wherever you go in your car to offer to some of our friends who don't have homes uh, to... Um, uh, literally the Refuge for Women opportunity that we have to support on Christmas Eve. I want to encourage you to go to the URL that's on the screen there because you can participate in offering these missions to others. You can change lives and help people to know that this good, good God is on their side, that this good, good God wants to help them. So as we follow this good God, let's be good ourselves and celebrate in a different kind of way this Advent season. Now, Mary doesn't all just lift up God's goodness. God, uh, Mary also lifts up what's known as the holiness of God. And this is a hard concept, I get. Holiness simply means uh, set apart. If you are holy or I'm holy or God clearly is holy, it just means set apart. And all we mean by that is not set apart for special privilege, 
but actually sort of set apart for special responsibility. Uh, there's a powerful uh, verse in Exodus chapter 15. You know, the book of Exodus is about how God, the good, good God, took the Israelites out of slavery and helped them to find the promised land. And about midway through, after they've crossed the Red Sea and they're sort of in the wilderness, there's a great passage in Exodus chapter 15 that acknowledges this holiness. It says in verse 11, Who is like you among the gods, Lord? Who is like you, foremost in holiness, worthy of highest praise, doing awesome deeds? Moses was simply acknowledging as he wrote this that um, this God that we follow, this God is above any other God. This God is set apart from any other thing that people might worship or acknowledge of value and worth. This God is worthy to be praised and is holy. And that holiness of God that Mary is praising is acknowledging God's might and God's capacity. It's acknowledging that the God we claim is a God who not only could put all of the stars and the heavens into the universe, but also could be personal and relational. That this God who is holy is a God who can make things happen and a God who loves us so much that can cause a part of himself to step into the world. That holy God is relational. And that holy God has set apart a creation as well as a relationship to call us into connection. And all Mary's simply doing is acknowledging that and helping challenge you and me to say, this is true not only of God, but it needs to be true of us as well. We ought to be holy not holier than thou, not people who think somehow we're better than others. That's not what holy means. It means distinctive. It means unique. It means in a very positive way, peculiar. In other words, as we come into this season of Advent, what would it look like if we celebrated Advent maybe differently than the rest of the world? Maybe differently than uh, making things all about the, 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 the accoutrements and more so about this God who is good and holy. More so about this child that is about to be born. You see, as followers of Jesus, Mary is calling us to not only celebrate that God who made it possible, but she's calling us to live as best we can into this goodness and into this holiness. I, I say it this way. I, I think Mary claims for us an inner mark of character. That's the holy, an inner mark of character. We will do God's will. We will live God's ways, but an outer mark of compassion. You see, a part of what makes us distinct or peculiar as followers of Jesus is this holiness. It doesn't make us better than. It doesn't make us above. It simply makes us distinct and set apart to do God's good work in the world, to have great character as well as deep compassion to reach out and touch other people. Friends, the Magnificat is a beautiful song that Mary sings for you and me. She sings it centuries ago, but reminds us today that it's still real and that it can claim for us a powerful opportunity to worship the God who is good, who made all things good, and the God who is holy, set apart to claim us for special role and special responsibility, and the same God who made everything distinctive and everything unique. Mary's reminding us, man, we can, we can lift that God up 
We can make that God bigger than anything else. And so the challenge for us, friends, in these next many, many days as we come up to December 25th is this. Mary claims for us a way to remind us that, that the birth of Jesus, it's not so much about us, what we want, what we can get, what we can achieve, right? It's about what God is doing in the world. It's about the ways in which God has chosen to step into this world for us and with us. This celebration of a good and holy God is a magnificent way to remind us this time is different. We need to be different in how we work towards that day. We need to encounter the world differently as we make steps to the birth of Jesus. So I'm going to issue you an invitation, friends. This, this song that Mary sings, the Magnificat, I'm going to invite you to pray it every single day over the next 28 days. You know, between now, November 28th, and December 25th, there are exactly 28 days. And, you know, um, studies tell us that if we do something for at least 28 days in a row, it becomes habit. It can even change who we are and how we interface. And so I'm going to invite you to pray for the next 28 days, the Magnificat. You can, of course, find it in Luke chapter 1, 46 to 55, or you can go to our TMUMC app and in the... Um, digital bulletin, it'll be there every single day for you, or it'll be in the message notes today, the text. And I just want to encourage you, pray it every single day. Make it the first thing you do every single day. Pray the Magnificat. And as you do, I want to see and hear your stories about how it's calling you into a different relationship with God, how it's calling you to be more compassionate in the world, how it's calling you to be distinctive and unique as we work towards the birth of Jesus. Friends, I'm excited about Mary's song, how it had impact on the world then, and how it's gonna have impact on you and me in the days that lie ahead. Thanks be to God that Mary sang the Magnificat and it claims for us a wonderful relationship with our God. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we wanna sing and shout and praise and give thanks to you for this season. Man, it's such a fun season filled with joy and hope and love. It's a season that sometimes we some get sidetracked by all kinds of things that are not bad or wrong. They just sometimes get us off course from you. And so God, I wanna claim Mary's Magnificat. I wanna claim it for who we are as your followers and how it can help us to be unique and distinctive by following this good and holy God who really makes all things well. God, thank you for that gift. May we live it, sing it, and pray it well in the days that lie ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, friends, let me magnify for you my thanks for what you do every single week, sometimes monthly, sometimes quarterly. But your generosity, man, it's helping us to change the world. If you'd like to make a gift today, right now, or maybe even tomorrow, you can scan the QR code that's right there on the screen before you with your phone or you can text the letters T-M-U-M-C to the number 45777. But whatever you give, thanks for doing that. Man, you can magnify the Lord through your generosity.